Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are kicking off a new series in honor of Back to School, Back to Hogwarts. Happy September 1st, everybody. Did you miss the train? Is it past 11 o'clock? <laughs> yeah. What time are you listening to this episode? <laughs> 11 o'clock British time, though. So oh, true. Yeah. Certainly yes. missed the train. <laughs> So the series that we're kicking off is kind of like a back-to-school series, but it'll take a while. Um, It's just going to be on the different subjects taught at Hogwarts. So today's episode is going to be all about transfiguration and of what we know in the broader universe um, about specific transfiguration professors, some great characters in there, the different classes we see taught, um, just like the general knowledge on the subject. And we'll do this with the other core subjects and maybe like combine some of the like more elective type subjects into one episode, depending on how much information we have out there. Yep. So happy September 1st. Welcome back to Hogwarts. First class is Transfiguration. You guys ready? Have your supplies, get your quill out, please, and take notes. So a couple other things that correspond with September starting. (laughs) Um, We are now going to be starting our like individual patron shout outs for each episode. So the first up on the list is Alex. Thank you for your support. (laughs) Hopefully you're going to get your patron package soon. (laughs) We're working on it. Sorry, that's (laughs) my fault. Um, I, I, I'm going to try and pack them after recording this episode, so hopefully they'll be in the mail soon and, soon. and when I do put them in the mail, I will make sure to, like, send you guys a message through Patreon so you know, and then if you could just, like, let us know when you get them just so we make sure and, like, know that y'all got the packages you needed to. Yes, and I also want to mention on the topic of Patreon, we are still at that number six so one more patron and we unlock a whole other host of benefits including some extra episodes maybe if you reach that tier so definitely recommend if you're not a patron yet go check out what we have and just know that if you do choose to contribute you help all of the listeners everywhere um who might want to be getting some extra perks from patreon yeah just more time spending listening to our voices you know (laughs) Yeah. What what more can you ask for? Honestly. Although that transitions well, the sad thing about September starting is that our lives are more back to I guess your life went back to work kind of like in August, but yeah. our lives are more back to the regular schedule of we're no longer going back to school. I know. Um, it was like our last summer break and it was kind of yes. a terrible summer break if I'm being honest. <laughs> But we are both working full-time jobs, um, so we're going to go back to our every other week. The summer vacation schedule of every week is over. We'll have to see if we'll be able to swing it next summer, because I know I'll be working full-time. So yeah. We're going to... We just have a lot of changes going in our, going on in our lives right now, as I'm sure, like, if you are slash have been a, like, 
recent college grad there's just like a lot of new things happening and it's something that we're going to probably like reevaluate here like I don't really have like a full real big girl job yet so maybe once I if I get one of those we can reevaluate kind of the free time that we have and if we do want to dedicate more time to having an episode come out every week but that is something we're going to visit in the future so for right now we're back to every other week yes and then do you want to share the last announcement? Sure. So in honor of September 1st and school being back in session and September 1st is just like an important date in the Harry Potter universe, we are going to start a new giveaway. So get excited, y'all. Um, <laughs> this one's going to be a little bit more... It's going to take a little bit more work from you guys, but hopefully you will see it as worth it. So we are going to ask that to join the giveaway, you send us a question. We're kind of planning on doing kind of like an ask us anything type um, episode, (laughs) more similar to if you guys have been listening for, I guess, about a A year year. now. Yeah. So like last October, Audrey and I were, the last time we saw each other face to face, not through a screen, was last October when we were both together and we recorded kind of an episode where y'all just sent us questions about the Harry Potter world, any like unanswered questions you have from the series, and we tried to answer those. So it's going to be kind of like that, but I just want it to be super informal if you want to ask us like questions about our lives I'd be fine with that too as long as it's not like too personal um and it'll probably be a bonus episode so it wouldn't be part of like one of our normal episodes throughout the every other week so it'll be an extra one just a little bit more relaxed maybe we'll have some alcohol before we record that one and make it a little bit more fun um so like I said to join or to get one entry you can send us a question on any form of social media if you dm us or you can email us um, whatever is easiest for you and then also if you want to get a second entry into the podcast or into the giveaway sorry if you leave us a review on apple podcasts and you somehow like screenshot you like your review or you send us your username if you do a written review um, you will get a second entry into the giveaway The giveaway items are TBD at the moment. We're going to include some Wizard Studies merch, some stickers, some buttons, and we are going to add in some unofficial Harry Potter merch. We just haven't picked out exactly what that's going to be at the moment, but we'll let you guys know as soon as we know, and we'll we'll definitely have it in the next podcast that we record what we have. So be on the lookout for that. If it's something you're interested in, um, send us a question, like I said, kind of about anything within reason, um, about Harry Potter, about the movies, about how to run a podcast, um, any of that. Whatever you're interested in, we will do our best to answer it or choose not to answer it at our discretion. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, I guess we're going to get into the episode for real. For real, for real. Let's get Let's get going. Okay, so my name is Professor Dixon, and in class today we will be talking about transfiguration. Um, How long did you have that plant? I literally just came up with it on the spot. Um, so I'm going to start with just some general general information about transfiguration. Actually, most of these, if not all of these notes, are direct quotes because a lot of it is like 
quotes from um, sources or textbooks out there about transfiguration. So just super baseline, transfiguration is when you turn one thing into another thing. There are some specific classifications that Audrey will get into later about like the different types of transfiguration, but just super broad, it's turning one thing into something else. So just to open up this episode, I wanted to quote Miss Hermione Granger. I do hope they start right away. There's so much to learn. I'm particularly interested in transfiguration, you know, turning something into something else. Of course, it's supposed to be very difficult. So kind of leading off from that, um, transfiguration is seen as one of the more difficult subjects and a little bit more scientific. It's a more scientific brand of magic than some other types. They compare it to charms quite a bit in the articles I read. Charms is a little bit more artistic, a little bit more like creative. Transfiguration comes down more to a science when you're trying to accomplish it. Yeah, I will say, maybe I should save this for the end of the episode, but (laughs) I will say that, like, reading up for this episode, I read a lot of that stuff about charms, which I I feel like it's, like, my default answer for my favorite class. Um, I don't know. I feel like I just have always thought charms would be, like, the most useful, Um, but... I'm reading that stuff and like hearing about the comparisons to it being scientific and like charms being more artistic. I'm definitely more of a science person. I mean, that's like my, my profession, my job. No, I don't really. Oh, look profession. at you all, all um, grown up. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I, I don't know. They might have me uh, swinging more to a transfiguration. See, that made me swing farther away from transfiguration. <laughs> But I think it is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Like, transfiguration has never been something, like, a subject that really captured my interest. Like, it's never been one that I was like, oh, man, a transfiguration class would be super cool. Like, as much as I love McGonagall and as much as I think I would like her as a teacher, the subject just had, like, I had no interest in it really ever. Um. But another quote about transfiguration is that it's a branch of magic that focuses on the alteration of the form or appearance of an object via the alteration of the object's molecular structure. So this implies that when you transfigure an object, you're literally transfiguring like the molecules in it to something completely different. Um, Like on a molecular stage, you're changing the object. Um... And for it to be done right, it has to be very exact. Um, There's not really a lot of leeway um, in the magic. You either do it correct or it turns out catastrophic, basically, is what I gain, (laughs) what I learned from reading through this article and reading about transfiguration. Um, another quote, when transfiguring, it is important to make firm and decisive wand movements. Do not wiggle or twirl your, twirl your wand unnecessarily or the transfiguration will certainly be unsuccessful. So like I said, there's not really a lot of room for error in transfiguration. It seems like you do it by the book, whereas again, kind of in comparison to charms, it's a little bit more flourishy there's a lot more Mm -hmm. creativity like you can create new charms like I don't want to say like easily but we do see multiple people throughout the series do that 
Snape and like you know that's what Luna's mother kind of did she experimented with magic quite a bit and it doesn't seem like transfiguration is really something you can experiment in it's like there's a by the book kind of way to do things there's also this quote which is a lot for me (laughs) the intended transformation t is directly influenced by the body weight a viscousness B, one power, W, concentration, C, and a fifth unknown variable. So to me, that means that there's some like formulae, like formulas or like formulaic structure going on within Transfiguration that like you must know. And they talk a lot about how like you need to know a lot more of the science behind like what you're doing to be able to successfully do the transformation Mm -hmm. instead of just like knowing the word and doing it yeah so here based on that quote you just read here's like one more thing that i maybe we can get into this more in like that last section we have planned but so here's the thing it's like they always say like transfiguration very or that's what they they're saying right transfiguration very sciencey very formulaic but like there's the fifth unknown variable and so I think it's, like, maybe with the exception of, like, potions, which I also feel like is very, like, kind of formulaic, you know, like, yeah. chemistry. I think it might be, like, the most sciencey that magic can get. But there's still this, like, part of it that, to me, as a person who, like, enjoys science and, like, that's, like, how my brain works best. Yeah. Um always has an issue with and get I get really frustrated with is that like they're saying this is sciencey but there's this unknown variable yeah so like you don't know exactly everything that you're accounting for like there's some sort of unknown which like yeah science is all about like figuring out the unknowns but the fact that it's just like and some unknown variables like oh my yeah. god <laughs> what it makes me kind of like want to scream a little bit um which gets to why like previously before reading about how they were talking about how like sciencey and and formulaic it was um previously i was always kind of skeptical about it but we'll talk about that more later (laughs) yeah it seems like overall it seems like one of the one of those subjects that like um learning about the theory behind it is more important or as important as kind of like the incantation and the wand yeah. movements and stuff like that. Whereas I don't think you really need to know that much theory in charms. I know that we keep like comparing it to charms, but it's just like such an easy comparison because mm-hmm. they're both like fairly practical classes, fairly practical subjects where the whole time in class you're pretty much spent like doing things as opposed to like history of magic is like not practical you're sitting in class like taking notes from a lecture um so yeah it's very interesting to think about and I think that's one of the reasons why Hermione obviously liked it so much because she likes the theory behind things and knowing why things work and how things work and how that like becomes an asset in transfiguration not just like frivolous information yeah you know yeah and that's that's what I really like about it We'll talk more later. <laughs> um, so, 
now kind of moving on to talk about the different classifications of transfiguration. So there's a lot of different like branches and then a few sub branches. So the four major classifications of transfiguration magic are transformation, untransfiguration, vanishment, and conjuration. So starting with transformation, this is just deforming or altering the target in some way. So I think it's what we generally think of when we think of transfiguration. Um, it's the first type that's taught at Hogwarts. So when they have the lesson that's changing a match into a needle, um, that's transformation. But it also, while being like kind of the introductory branch, it's also the branch that contains the hardest and most dangerous magic too. Um, so like one example is the sub branch of transformation, which is human transfiguration. So that's exactly how it sounds, transfiguring human body parts or the entire human into something else. Um, it's only an NEWT level, so you don't start learning it until your sixth or seventh year. Um, some examples we see in the sixth year, they, um, Harry and the other students are learning eye color, or eyebrow color transfiguration. I wrote eye, but I'm pretty sure it's their eyebrows. Um, so even just something that's quote-unquote as simple as like dyeing your eyebrows you know we would think of it as simple their eyebrows. <laughs> right um but it's actually like part of this very hard branch of magic um human transfiguration also encompasses like the magic surrounding animaguses metamorph metamorph maguses and werewolves um although those are all kind of different because like an animagus you choose to do that and a metamorph I guess you choose to do it but you're also born with it and then werewolf like doesn't have a choice on yeah. being transfigured um so yeah other examples of human transfiguration like I said animagi we see that happened a ton we see crumb do kind of like a failed human transfiguration but it still works for him where he ends up with a shark head um but not the tail just gonna say but I this knowing let me start over after like looking into this and specifically the limitations of human transformation this was a bad move by Mr. Victor Crumb here this is not the way to go let me yeah. just say that yeah I agree um he lucked out that like the head is the part that worked you know well kind of but I have like in the limitation section I'll talk about it but not a great move <laughs> okay so yeah we also see Barty Coach Jr. as Moody transfigure Malfoy into a Picking ferret Malfoy, um, Slughorn transfigures himself into an armchair so it doesn't necessarily have to be into an animal um, Barty Coach Jr. again transfigures Senior's body into a bone after he kills him and we also see another failed transfiguration with Hagrid failing to fully transfigure Dudley into a pig. So then the next sub-branch of transformation is the switching sub-branch. So this is when a physical feature from one of two targets is switched with a physical feature of the other target. So this is different than just transformation. Um, because it targets two objects at the same time and the change in one is dependent on the change in the other. So think about it like you have 
I don't even know, like a mug and a cup, and you're transfiguring the handle from the mug onto the cup. Um, both of them have to change for one of them to work. So it's kind of unclear on how difficult switching is. Um, McGonagall is impressed with Hermione for knowing about switching spells like early in first year. And I think that might just be like because she's a muggle-born coming in and like knows about just like this type of magic more so than just like broadly what the subject is. Um, but then in fourth year, she's disappointed with Neville for not being able to perform quote simple switching spells. So it's probably I think they might actually start it um, at the end of first year and then maybe mainly taught like second and third year. Um, just like my opinion, I feel like it would be easier because you can like see the two objects. They both already exist. Um, it's you're maybe like not more creating like creating anything from nothing. Like you're just right. rearranging what is already there. Yeah, and I think just being like it's very it feels more concrete. Yeah. Um so that's switching and then the final sub branch of transformation is trans species transformation which is when one organism is transformed to a different species um so i think like uh cedric changing the rock into a dog would count as trans species even though like the rock's not really an organism but i think like or something like they do um guinea pig to guinea fowl or vice versa um so i think that's like I don't know, maybe, like, a bit higher level because it's, like, living things, but definitely not as hard as, like, working with humans. So then we have untransfiguration, which is, I guess, its own branch of transfiguration, Um, and it's just, like, what it sounds like, reversing a previous transfiguration. So it's taught pretty early on how to do this because failed transfigurations are so common, Um, and this is the repairophage spell i don't actually know if they say this at all in the book do you know my guess would be no it's in hogwarts mystery a lot yeah (laughs) um i'm checking it says it's in a beginner's guide to transfiguration Mm. was covered um well let me check the yeah, it's, it was on Pottermore originally, and then all the other citations are in Hogwarts Mystery. Um, but I, to me, it feels weird that it's, like, its own branch, because I feel like it's just one spell. Yeah. But I guess it's, like, an important... Like, it's important to know how to do. Well, it's also kind of weird, too, because if you're, like, molecularly changing something, like, if I'm changing a cup into a fork that fork is no longer a cup like then i'm just changing a fork back into a cup so it's still like tra- like i'm just trans transfiguring the fork into back into a cup you know it's not like i right because if but i'm I changing think- it molecularly it's like a fork now but then also it talks about how like things will be reverted after very long so like it's not a permanent molecular change i don't know if the things that are is the thing are the things that are reverted is that just conjuring Oh, it might just be conjuring, you're right. But I think, to me, the, like, untransfiguration is its own branch because it's not just, like, transfiguring again because, like, okay, 
you said you're changing a fork into a cup. Yeah. Right? So you molecularly, molecularly, sure, as much as, like, magic deals with molecules, but you molecularly change the fork into a cup. But I think that because that cup, like, there's still some part of that cup that, like, retains the magic and, like, Knows. I'm putting air quotes around nose because like I don't how think the cup has consciousness. Has Anybody frozen tea out there? <laughs> Do molecules have memory? Yes. Like, that's <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, I think part of the magic is, like, it doesn't fully, like, obviously a cup doesn't have DNA, but, like, yeah, if you were, like, changing, it doesn't fully change fork DNA into cup DNA. <laughs> this is a but. better comparison with species because, like, forks and cups do not have DNA. <laughs> But, like, it doesn't, I think it's, like, always gonna be a cup disguised, or a fork disguised as a cup. Even though it functions as a cup, and it might stay, I don't know, it might not revert on its own. It might stay as a cup. Yeah. But it's always gonna retain the fact that it was a fork to begin with. And so I think that's why it's just, like, one blanket spell for reverse transfiguring, as opposed to, like doing a spell that does cup to fork it's just like yeah. reverse well do you think does that, that make sense spell, yeah yeah like i get what you're saying but do you think okay so let's say that i sit down at a table and i have two spoons instead of a spoon and a fork so i transform one of my spoons into a fork and then i finish eating but my spoon gets taken away with my meal so the fork that was previously previously a spoon is on the table are you following yeah. And you sit down and you're like, God damn it, I don't need a fork, I need a spoon. I'm about to eat some soup. If you like <laughs> did the spell to like Wait, but what fully... kind of soup am I eating? <laughs> Not important. <laughs> if you did the spell to like fully transform, like transfigure, transform the fork back into a spoon, would it work or would you have to use repair phage to turn it back? You like get what I'm saying? I like think if it would you didn't work. know that it was originally a spoon. That was a really... You didn't need to make that whole example. <laughs> it was a scenario. But I think it would work. Okay. Okay. Because, well, let's talk about that when we get to later sections, like maybe your next section or the okay. last section. But I, I think it would work, but I also think that gets back to, like, one of my main confusions about transfiguration. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. so convoluted. <laughs> All right. So then we have vanishment. Um, this is the third of four branches. So vanishment is pretty obviously causing things to vanish or, quote, go into non-being, um, which is to say everything, if you're quoting McGonagall. I feel like that's a very oft-quoted thing, but, like, does that just, like, not make sense to me, or does that not make sense to everybody? Because I'm confused, McGonagall. <laughs> so, yeah. I was gonna get, I was gonna, I'll get to this now, actually. Okay. So, yeah. I was, this is one of the big debates when you're talking about transfiguration. Like, when you, they, like, vanish, like, organisms. Yes. And so people are like, well, like, what happens to the things that you vanish like okay like maybe like vanishing like like a book i can like wrap my head around the fact that it just like vanishes yeah but vanishing a mouse or or some other like living organism people are like does that is it just like killing all of those mice 
And so her saying into non-being, like, that tells me, like, that's no longer alive. Yeah. Granted that it is an answer to the question, like, where do vanished objects go? So, like, objects aren't beings to begin Mm -hmm. with. So it's, like, all very convoluted. My answer to your question is yes, it makes no sense. Um, (laughs) Did I ask a question? Does this quote make sense to you? Oh. (laughs) So into non-being, that makes me think if I vanish a mouse, it is no, like, it's going into non-being. It's no longer a being. It's no longer alive. But then she says, which is to say everything, which feels contradictory. So does that mean, to me, that means, I've always interpreted it as, it's no longer a mouse in the fact that, like, it is not one group of molecules like making a mouse. Now. It's just molecules, like, in the air, attaching to different objects, becoming, like, matter. Matter is always, like, split up, you know? Yeah. Like, matter, you can't destroy it. Yeah. So it just, like, it goes into everything, and I think that's what it means. See, I kind of always interpreted that, like, McGonagall was under the belief that, like, life is a simulation, so, like, nothing's real to begin with. <laughs> I mean, there's also that interpretation. <laughs> it just, like, is really... it's And it, this is the closest to an explanation we get, and it just, like... It makes it worse. It makes it more... It, make, it might make it worse. But I just hang on to the fact, like, saying... Which is to say everything. I, I think... I think of it as, like, molecules dispersing. Like, matter dispersing to other objects, other organisms. other Like, just in the air, whatnot. Yeah. I have more to say on that, but we'll come back to it, I guess, later. Yeah. Um, because, like, is it murder? Yeah, that's what I have to speak about later. Okay. I have a um, solution. <laughs> so then more on vanishment. Its difficulty is correlated with the complexity of the organism to be vanished. So, like, we see them start, I think they're vanishing, like, beetles, and then they work their way up to mice and, like, birds and it like correlates with basically the complexity of the organism this isn't learned until fifth year it's one of the hardest concepts on the owls but it's still like on the owls they learn it in their fifth year um i think it's actually what they start with on their fifth year and then the this is also it seems like it's just one spell is all of vanishment um evanesco which is latin for disappear is the only known incantation and this feels weird to me because kind of similar to like repairophage um being like the one thing to untransfigure and there's a bunch of different transfiguration incantations like vanishment is evanesco is the only vanishment spell but like there's a bunch of different conjuring spells so it's kind of I guess that's it some also consistency. It's like weird that it's the same incantation, but like can vary in difficulty, like depending on what you're vanishing. But I guess it also like adds credence to like what we were saying earlier that transfiguration is less about incantation and more about like theory behind it. Yeah. You know, because like, van- like you were saying, like vanishing a beetle and vanishing a dog, let's say, are two very different like skill sets but it's the same incantation it's like the same spell yeah which is weird but you just i think you just have to be like that much better yeah like do you think they have to study the biology of like the things they're vanishing no because i don't think that like hogwarts cares about biology well then like what do you think they have to like what is the difference 
I think it's, like, mastery of the spell. Like, you can do the spell good enough to vanish a beetle, but it's not going to be good enough to vanish a dog. But what... But if I say Ivanesco the same way, do my wand movement the same way, what what makes it different from mastering it versus not being good at it? You know, like if I, I know, know the pronunciation and I know the uh, like movement. I mean, that's like uh, a broad magic question. Well, like in what if like I feel like you could just do the movement like you can know the movement but not be doing it fully correctly. I guess, yeah. But I guess or, it's, like, all of magic. That's the point of them going to school. I think a lot of it is, like, internal and knowledgeable and, like, knowledge-based. And, like, I think the correlation I could think of this is, like, the feeling basis for the unforgivable curses. Mm, yeah. Is that there has to be, like, some sort of, like... Anger. Force in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, um, back to vanishing. <laughs> Hannah Abbott is an ex- exa- an example from the OWLs that Hannah Abbott was supposed to vanish. Oh, come on, let's go. <laughs> she was well, I don't know if you were playing this. <laughs> she was supposed to vanish a ferret during her exam, but instead somehow managed to multiply it into a flock of flamingos. So I don't like, know how, how she does managed that to happen? do that because when you're not saying the word Evanescence. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not saying the incantation to like. But I think that's control. Something. I guess, yeah. Well, then what's the point of the incantation, incantation if it doesn't, like... I mean, I guess you can do nonverbal, so it's kind of, like, always, like, been, a, like, a training wheels. Right. It's... Magic makes no sense, and I think this is going to be a common theme throughout this subject series yeah. that we're doing. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's magic, so, like, maybe it's not supposed to make sense, but don't try and make it sound like it makes sense, because it doesn't. Like, don't come up with all of these things that, like, well, technically, this is, and this is, and it's science-based, and blah, 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 because it still doesn't make any sense. It's not science-based. This makes no sense. <laughs> so, the last branch is conjuration, which is the opposite of vanishment. It's bringing things into being. And it's also harder than Vanishment. Vanishment was on the OWLs, but Conjuration is only an NEWT level subject, part of the curriculum um, for 6th and 7th years. And there are some restrictions, which Katie will get into, but just briefly, um, something that is conjured will not remain, quote, in being forever. So at some point, it's going to just, like, vanish on its own because you can't, like, make it be you're not god (laughs) so now i'm going to talk about the like laws and limitations of transfiguration so audrey i think mentioned this um in some like specificity but it applies overall as well like the like the more the the more simple and basic an object is the easier overall it is to transform or transfigure or do any of the branches um and they also talk about if you are transforming something into something else the more similar they similar they are the easier it is because you're not making as much molecular change but they talk about like pin cushions and hedgehogs i think and like while they may look similar they're not like molecularly similar at all i know it makes no sense i don't know also in the movies 
on like the set in chamber of secrets like in their second year they're doing like they're changing animals into a cup which seems like very advanced and i may be wrong this may be what they're doing in the book as well but it just seems like a little bit advanced they do uh, i'll talk about curriculum from the book later but they do do like animals into inanimate objects but are they like a bird to a cup because they do like they do rabbits to, they do rabbits to slippers but like fluffy slippers i assume so they look similar you know like the big fluffy ones yeah but it's still like an organism yeah but they look similar it's <laughs> okay to be easier oh okay you're saying your <laughs> argument is not that there's a living thing and a non-living thing your argument is that there's an animal and a cup Yes, like, like they're two completely different, like shape, okay. different, size, different. I got know. you. I got you. Um, because speaking of size, mass is to be considered a larger, like something that is larger is much harder to transform than something that is smaller or transfigure. Um, and you can also not transfigure something back from the dead. So you cannot transfigure a dead thing into a live thing no matter how long they've been dead so like even if they die like really quick and you're like really quick transform them they're still dead but you can transfigure an inanimate object into a living object or a living thing yes so is it just the fact that like i couldn't transfigure a dead cat into the same cat that's living or i couldn't transfigure a dead cat into any living animal like i can't I give know, life to a thing that used to have transform life transform a cup into a living thing that's what which, i'm saying i yeah i don't know um don't i don't have answers for you okay i'm sorry but you cannot trans like if a cat dies and you like it, try and bring it back to life it you can't I also feel like that's a fact of, like, you're not really transfiguring, like, physically. Like, the cat will look the same overall, you know? Like, inside Mm -hmm. it's the different, but, like, it doesn't... You're not changing it into, like, a dog. You know, Mm -hmm. like, maybe you could change a dead cat into an alive dog. Yeah. But you can't bring back, like, that same life. Like, the soul. That's my question. Yeah. I agree with that, then. Okay. Um, thank you glad i um anyways so the next thing i'm going to talk about is the five principal exceptions to gamp's law of elemental transfiguration so first i'm going to talk a little bit about gamp's law of elemental transfiguration before i talk about the five exceptions to gamp's law of elemental transfiguration Okay, Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfiguration is a magical law which dictates the rules of transfiguration. And then there are five exceptions. So we don't really know what the laws are, but we do know one exception to the law. So the exception is that you cannot create food. You can summon food and you can multiply food, but you cannot create food from nothing which is interesting because you can create water from nothing with aguamenti or you could like make the argument that like you're maybe pulling like the h2o molecules out of the air but it still seems a little iffy to me 
also, like, you could conjure a chicken, couldn't you? Like a live chicken. And mm. then kill the chicken and eat it. Very true. Right? Or can you not conjure from nothing? Maybe you can switch something into, or transfigure. Maybe right? you like can't transform. conjure live things from nothing. Yeah. But you can transform, like... Or because conjuring, like, doesn't last, what if you, like, conjure a chicken, kill it, cook it, eat it, and then, like, five minutes later it disappears from your stomach so you're, like, still hungry? Ooh. You know? Like, it doesn't actually benefit you at all to do that. Yeah. Which, the whole summoning and multiplying thing really doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why didn't they do that when they were camping? Because they always complain about how bad the food was. But they always talk about, like, and, like, not having enough. Like, Ron is always hungry. But, like, if all you need is, like, what? Like, one egg, one fish, one grain of rice. And you're, yeah. like, you should be set, you know? Like, you can yeah, create endless rice and endless bread and endless eggs from just, like, one thing. Yeah. So why was Ron hungry? I don't know. I mean, it talks about how he doesn't like the food. So maybe he doesn't actually want to eat that much of it. Yeah. But, like... Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's the easy answer, yeah. Yeah, I guess. He's just a whiny bitch is what I take from that whole situation. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we don't really know anything about, like, what Gamp's laws are, but we do know one exception to those laws, which is interesting because I that is, to me, that would just make it make sense that the law says that you can create anything from nothing, and the exception is food. And four other things. And four other things that we don't know. Which, so, what do you think those four other things are? Because I was doing some reading of, like, speculation. Well, one of them that I've, like, totally headcanoned, um, and I can't take credit for this, I just read it, is money. Mm, because yeah. otherwise there wouldn't be poverty. Like, the Weasleys could just conjure money. Yeah. I do think that there are ways around that, like, in-universe without it being, like, a magic thing. You know? Like, I feel like there's ways that, like, the like serial numbers on coins would just, like... Yeah prevent that yeah. from being a thing i do think that there are protections whether or not it's like actually an elemental law of transfiguration or not i don't know if i quite buy because that would imply that like oh yeah i don't know the money is somehow related to magic like i don't know because it's still like a substance unless it's like a special substance that can't be multiplied it could be a special thing it could be a special substance the, the other one that came up that i was like ooh, that's a really good point is wands mm-hmm. like they have to be like made for them to work properly like i'm sure you could conjure like a stick and say it's a wand but yeah. or like you could even conjure like a stick with a phoenix feather in it but like it's not a wand like it can't have the magic in it that makes it a wand i like that um I also could, like, see one of the laws having to do with, like, bringing stuff back from the dead. Like, maybe I don't know, like, exactly what is included in that law because, like, you just found out we were a little bit confused about that. But, like, I could see that being, like, one of the elemental laws. Like, you can't bring back something from the dead. Yeah. Other than that, 
Hmm. I don't know. You sprung that on me. I didn't have time to think. Um, but anyways. Sorry. I don't have any, like, ideas of my own. <laughs> um, so, in um, speaking about conjuring, so there are laws and limits to what you can conjure out of nothing. Like, you can't just conjure anything from nothing. There are laws and limits to what you are able to conjure. And... Like we mentioned before, no matter how skilled the wizard is, what they conjure will never last. It will eventually disappear into non-being, which is to say everything. Um, And then I just have a little section about anime guy. So you must register with the ministry and have on record what kind of animal you are, as well as like any identifying features so that they are able to tell like McGonagall's cat from other cats if there were ever a situation going on um and if you don't do this you could face trial which makes me wonder if rita skeeter ever like went on trial for this because like it became a known fact that she was like an unregistered animagus or maybe not a known fact but like some people knew it and I guess maybe Hermione was like, I won't tell anybody if you do this. Yeah, I think she just, like, I think never that was got like part of the turned thing. in. Um, but, like, Sirius was a known, like, many, many people knew that he was an unregistered anime guy, anime guess. But no one um, turned him in. But, yeah, but nobody turned him in. So, I think we've mentioned this before, but we know a whole heck of a lot more unregistered anime guy than registered anime guy. Because I think we it's, only know one registered. <laughs> right. Because all of the anime guy we know, it's the Yeah, because all the Marauders and Rita are Rita not and McGonagall. Yeah. yeah. Um, Damn. So yeah, it seems like a very easy thing to just like not report to the ministry. I also, um, I do feel like I could totally believe that like some other people in the order are anime guy and they're yeah. registered but we just don't know or like harry doesn't know like kingsley well we do know I, how I, many re- like how many people are registered at the time because like hermione mentions it oh she really goes through the records yeah and i think it's like like it's a very very small number that are yeah. registered anime guy interesting um but Going back to what I was mentioning with crumbs, so the main difference between being an animagus and just like being like human transformation into an animal is that as an animagi, you like retain your human mental faculties, but when you are transformed into something, you like possess the mental faculties of that animal. So why transforming the head is concerning is because that transforms the brain. So like Crumb had the brain of a shark. So in theory, he like maybe should not have remembered that he was like part of the Triwizard Tournament and like in the middle of a task and like supposed to find Hermione. Like in theory, obviously that's not what happened, but. Yeah. I was saying he needed the head because of the gills. I mean, yeah, that is also true. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like a dumb choice. Huh. Yeah, because, like, he could have just gone, like, full shark. And, like, eaten (laughs) Hermione. And, like, eaten all of the captives. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's like, seems a little bit 
contradictory because like i said like theoretically crumb should have like become a shark and thus maybe not retained the memories he had as a human you know yeah i wonder i wonder if because he didn't like fully fully transform like just because his exterior of his upper body was shark doesn't mean like he fully went down through every layer of his body in that part so i wonder like if he had successfully fully become a shark maybe then he would have just gone ape shit on everybody yeah would have gone shark shit on everyone (laughs) (laughs) but since he like kind of luckily failed yeah he's still like there were still parts of him that were human so like maybe his brain was still human but i don't know about that that's like it's clearly just a plot hole but yeah Um, and then lastly, just kind of with the limits, transfer I and this has been alluded to before, but transfiguration can go like disastrously wrong, especially if we're talking about like human transformation, because you can get stuck in an in-between phase where maybe like repair phage wouldn't really work because you're not like fully something else, so you can't like fully revert to something else, you know? Um, but it can go disastrously wrong, especially when we're talking about human slash living beings transformation. Um, so that's also why it's like considered a very tough subject because it just can go very wrong. What if Slughorn got stuck as an armchair? Dumbledore would have to find another potions master. <laughs> That would be uh. really sad. I mean, yeah, it'd be sad. Like, a living human just trapped in an armchair for the rest of his life. Like, what happens yeah. when he died? Would the, like, armchair revert back to a dead body? Or would it still just, like, continue being an armchair for the end of time? I think it would revert back. To a dead body. Yeah. Because it's his magic. How jarring would that be if, like... You didn't really know that that was Slughorn, and you're just like sitting on that chair one day, and it just turned into a dead Slughorn. Huh. Oh my god, that's like a horror movie. <laughs> Transfiguration is basically a horror movie. I feel like very scary things would happen in that class. Yeah, like so like many half transfigured things. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's, I mean, it's kind of like splinching, and I don't know, like, maybe you could even make the argument that apparition is a form of transfiguration, because, like, you're just transfiguring yourself to be somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought about that, too. So now... Oh, wait, sorry, super quickly. If you guys think of any other exceptions, possible exceptions to Gamp's law, elemental law of transfiguration, send them our way. What do you guys think? What are some other ones that you think might be in there yeah do please um all right so now kind of shifting away from us getting bogged down in the details a little bit too much but we'll get back to that don't worry just talking about transfiguration at hogwarts as like a subject so it's considered a core class meaning it must be taken for the first five years and then dependent on your owl score you can continue with it which like this is another thing I've never understood, and maybe it's just me being an American, but, like, if you don't pass your OWLs and you can't, like, you don't get the grade needed to go into the NEWT levels in any subject, like, what happens? You just, Do you just you drop n- out. not take any courses? 
You just drop out. <laughs> or, like, do they, they, do they just, like, make you take stuff again? Oh, you might have to just, like, repeat your OWL year. Yeah. I mean, maybe. We don't know the laws about education. Like, are wizards mandated to finish Hogwarts? But I think, like, like, I think that Neville didn't get a passing grade on, like, Transfiguration, Potions. I don't know about DA. He No, he did in DA because of, um, or DA, DA, because of the D, because of Dumbledore's army. Yeah. But. It's like, what if you only pass one class? So, like, did he only take Herbology? I mean, I'm sure he passed Care of Magical Creatures. I feel like that would be... Maybe, like, remedial thing is actually... Like, you know how, like, Harry takes, quote, like, remedial potions? Maybe that, like, actually is a thing. Yeah. And I wonder if you could, even if, like... Like, you just don't get to test for the NEWT, but, like... Yeah, like, could you still take the class because, like, you could, like, learn beneficial things later in life? Like, for later I think that might be it. That's my answer. I feel that could make sense. I could I could buy it. Like you wouldn't I think you would be in like a lower level class. But honestly, as a sixteen year slash fifteen year old, like I'm not gonna take a class I don't have to take, even if it would be beneficial for me, you know? No, like, I think you might still have to take it, is what I'm saying. Like Oh, but I mean like a bunch of students didn't take potions though. But do we know that they... No, no, no. I'm not saying, like, take the same class. Like, we only see the NEWT potions class happening. Oh. But I'm saying, like, is there another potions class that just happens at, like, a different time and it's all the sixth years that, like, it's remedial potions. Like, it's all the six years that fail. Like, it might be an option, but I don't think they have to. Like, Harry was, like, looking forward to not having Snape as a teacher that year. Oh, yeah. He was not going to take potions. Maybe they have to if they don't have, like, enough other classes. Like, you still you have to take yeah. enough remedial to, like, mostly fill your schedule. I could see that. Like, I could also see it as just, like, an optional thing. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> also speaking on that, um, under McGonagall's, like, teaching, students had to obtain an outstanding or an exceeds expectations in Transfiguration OWL in order to progress to the NEWT level. And I feel like that's fair of her. I do think that a lot of that is arbitrary, but just because of, like, how disastrously wrong and, like, difficult Transfiguration gets once you get yeah. to the NET, NEWT level, I think it's, like, makes sense for her to be, like, if you're not getting more than an exceeds expectations, like, you will not be able to safely continue to do this subject at the NET, yeah. NEWT level. Yeah. Whereas, like, Snape, I think, was just being a dick by, like, only <laughs> accepting O's, you know? Yes. All right, so on to known professors throughout history. We only know two, but they're two pretty major ones. Um, the first being Albus Dumbledore. Do we know he, that for sure, though? Well, so starting in about the 1910s and presumably through around 1956, maybe slightly after, he was... A transfiguration professor in my head he was um crimes of grindelwald fucked with this timeline they made him a dada professor um but the reason i threw out the 1956 or slightly after is because 
according to book canon, which is all messed up with Crimes of Grindelwald as well, but according to just the books, McGonagall started teaching in 1956, and she accepted a position under him and he was the head of the department which is like a whole other thing because we never see departments we just see one teacher for each class but whatever um so it seems like for a few years maybe they were both um transfiguration professors together and then Dumbledore became headmaster and McGonagall became the predominant transfiguration professor um until 1998 when she became headmistress so Dumbledore, oh, oh, Dumbledore also, while McGonagall was a transfiguration professor, just worth noting, I know we've talked about it before, um, but when they were both professors together, he helped her become an animagus, um, kind of like coached her through it, which makes sense because he's really good at transfiguration and she's really good at transfiguration, so. <laughs> um, she also, speaking on McGonagall specifically now, she seems to have a much higher regard for transfiguration than other types of magic. I mean, specifically divination, as we spoke about a couple episodes ago, but definitely she, like, likes the fact that, like, transfiguration is hard and it's kind of serious and, quote, science-based and theory <laughs> theoretical and, you know. Um, she has a reputation for being a fair but strict teacher and, yeah, I think she's, like, probably the best professor there that we see a lot yes i do yeah. think that like, i don't I do yeah i don't want to knock like sprout or flitwick yeah well i do think that like it's important to especially at hogwarts that the class that they're teaching goes with their like personality and like their mm-hmm. teaching style i do think mcgonagall was like best fit for transfiguration but i also think that like flitwick is a better charms teacher than mcgonagall would have been oh yeah you know? yeah yeah because I think it is very, like, subject-specific, especially at Hogwarts, because they're all just, like, so drastically different. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, in high school or, like, elementary school, basically yeah. any teacher could teach anything. You know, like, it's not as, like, subject-specific. It's In that way, Hogwarts is more similar to college. Yeah, for sure. All right, so then just to run briefly through the curriculum um, that we see being taught in Transfiguration class, and this is only book canon. Um, it's pulled from the wiki, but only the stuff that was cited as being part of the book, so I may have missed some, but I'm pretty sure that everything here is accurate. So in the first year, we see lessons on match to needle, um, simple switching spells, and mice to snuff box. Um, so that match to needle is kind of an example of I think the like simple those organisms are or objects are similar to each other so it's easy second year we see beetle to button and rabbits to slippers third year um, they have a lecture on animaguses and then we also see them perform or attempt to perform teapot to tortoise which seems to be the first time that they go from object to organism instead of the reverse um, in fourth year is when we see hedgehog to pincushion, which I feel like is like the classic thing that I think of when I think of transfiguration. Yeah. They also do guinea fowl to guinea pigs. In fifth year, there are more switching spells. Um, they spend a lot of time on vanishing spells. Um, there's in the inanimatus conjurus spell, which 
sounds like conjuring an inanimate object. Um, we know about this because they had to write an essay on this as a break from Vanishing Spells because Vanishing Spells was not going too hot. <laughs> so I don't know if they actually like learned this spell because we do know that I read about conjuring being um, only sixth and seventh here. So like maybe this was just kind of like an introduction to it. And then in fifth year, we also see Owl to Opera classes. So we see a lot of Transfiguration classes in fifth year. Um, in sixth year, they start with Human Transfiguration, um, changing hair color of eyebrows. And then we also see the Bird Conjuring Charm, which Hermione um, uses against Ron. And then seventh year, I said, who knows, because... Harry did not finish his high school education. I also, I was thinking about this, just like laying in bed last night, as one does. Like how difficult writing the seventh book must have been just because it was such a departure from like everything that we had Mm. known in the first six books. Like not that Harry Potter is formulaic, but like there's an aspect of like, they get on the train on September 1st. Like, they're at Hogwarts. They have these classes. There's they a Halloween these feast. teachers. There's yeah. a Halloween feast. There's Christmas break. And how, Footage, like, the yeah. seventh book completely, like, flipped everything upside down. And just, like, I've never really thought about how different seven yeah. is from the rest of the books. It just, like, structurally, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. So now we're going to go through a list of transfiguration spells that we know. So the first one is Ava Fours, Ava Fours, whichever one you want to say. Um, and this transforms small objects or statues into birds. And we see this in games, both video and of the trading card variety. The next is the bird conjuring charm, Avis, um, which conjures birds from the wand tip so then we have the bubble producing spell um which conjures bubbles from the wand i think this is different than the bubble charm that we see bubblehead charm yeah that is a charm this is just like ordinary bubbles not like could actually save your life bubbles yeah (laughs) um and then this next one i have to look this up because it's just called caught and it with an exclamation point and it says that it restrains the foe. Um, apparently, it's a transforming spell. Oh, it's from the Harry Potter trading card game. Mm. And apparently, it's a transforming spell because it like transfigures nearby objects into restraints to constrict your foe. So interesting. Interesting. Um, so the next one is Krenus Muto. Um, and this changes the color and style of the caster's hair, and that is from the Harry Potter Lego video game years five through seven. Next one is Draconophores, um, which turns statues or small objects into fi- actual fire-breathing dragons, and this appears in the Prisoner of Azkaban video game. Yep, and then we have Duckly Fours, <laughs> which is in, it um, transforms an organism into a duck, 
and we see it in the Goblet of Fire video game and also in Lego years five through seven. And then we have Ibublio, <laughs> which is, sorry. That's in Wizards Unite, I think, right? I feel like that's one that you do. It traps an opponent in a large conjured bubble. I don't think it... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is in Wizards Unite. It's also in Hogwarts Mystery. It's also in the Goblet of Fire video game and in Lego. Here's five through seven promotional material only. Ooh, interesting. Um, so the next one is Epoximize, um, which sorry bonds two objects together so like an epoxy kind of thing and this is in the harry potter trading card game as well as fantastic beasts and where to find them the next one answers a lifelong question i've had (laughs) oh which is what is shame what the fuck is seamus saying uh and it is i rabbit harp string hum turn this water into rum which i don't know if i actually believe is a real spell because like (laughs) no other spells are structured like that besides the one that ron tries to do on the trolley like what is it sunshine daisies butter mellow turn this stupid fat rat yellow that's the only other spell we see like in that form and we know it's not a real spell so yeah i'm skeptical yeah, I am also skeptical. I also I feel like that just might be like a maybe it like kind of works. Yeah. I don't know. Um so then we have Ferula which conjures like a wooden rod and bandages so you can bandage an injury. Um and this looping uses um to for Ron's broken leg in Prisoner of Azkaban. And then we have Flintifors, which makes a transforms things into matchboxes. Um, and this is from the Philosopher's Stone video game. So a lot of video games here. Yeah. The next one is listed under the fire making spell, but you may know it better as Incendio. <laughs> that conjures a jet of flame and we see this i think in most of the books honestly yeah um and the next one is listed under the hardening charm but again you might know it better as juro which transforms things into stone we see this in deathly hallows and it's also in some of the video games because i remember like playing a maybe a prisoner of azkaban video game and like you can turn um tapestries into like hard stone I don't know. I just have a memory of doing that. <laughs> okay. Fun fact. <laughs> so then we have herbivores, um, which transforms the target into a bunch of flowers. Apparently, it can also work on an individual's head of hair. Oh, turn your hair into flowers. That would be a look, honey. <laughs> and this is from Lego. Then we have lapifores, which turns a small object or creature into a rabbit so transfiguring something into a rabbit and i believe hermione does this um oh in a video game yeah hermione does it in a in the video games in the third year 
Um, the next one is incarcerous. So this conjures a rope or chains like to wrap around your opponent. We see this in Order of the Phoenix in the book during the Umbridge um, Centaur kerfuffle. And then Incarsifors, which um, is used to transfigure an object into a suitable prison for something nearby. Um, so it just like turns an object into a cage. And this is in the trading card game. So then we have the Mellifor's Jinx, which is used to turn an opponent's head into a pumpkin. Um, I believe this is from Hogwarts Mystery. Let's see. Prisoner of Azkaban video game, Goblet of Fire video game. Oh, apparently it, it is in Order of the Phoenix, the book. Um, Snape's Worst Memory, so it must come up in that bullying. And then it's in a few other video games as well. And then we have the multi-core-force spell, multi-core-force, which um, changes the color and style of the target's outfit. So, you know, that's like an important one. And it is, again, a Lego one. Next, we have Orchidius, which conjures flowers. We see this in Goblet of Fire and then possibly in Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, it looks like, as well as some of the video games. Because um, we see, like, Hermione conjure flowers at the Potter's Grave, but she doesn't say, like, mm. Orchidius when she does it. Yeah. Next is Pisophores. Pisophores? Um, Pis probably Pisophore because it's to do with fish. Um, it transfigures an object into a fish most likely in parentheses so yeah i guess it's not confirmed um <laughs> we do see this in the goblet of fire video game as well as this is what is presumably the the spell used in that subplot of the fish with slughorn and lily which is just like what is the fish's name francis i knew it was an f francis is this a thing that happens in the book? Isn't the yeah. fish like... Oh, I thought the fish was purely a movie thing. I think it happens in the book, no? Alright, I'm gonna confirm. Oh, no, it's just a film thing. That's what I thought. Alright, now I don't feel bad about not being able to think of the... Is the name even in the movie? Yeah, it is. Oh. Just seems like a very odd thing to add to that. I don't. We'll get to it, I guess, when we talk about the Half Blood Prince movie. So, check back in six months, possibly more. All right. So then, we have the Polis Jinx, which uh, is used to turn opponents into geese. Um, and this is from the Goblet of Fire video game, and it's also in the like Book of Spells. And then we have the Snuffly Force spell, which transforms um, objects into mice, but specifically they used flying books to do this, and it's again in the Prisoner of Azkaban video game. You skipped some. Oh, I did? Yeah, you went to the beginning of your next section. Sorry, so the next one was Repairophage, and 
we already talked about that, um, reverses unsuccessful transfigurations, and it's strictly a video game thing. Next one is scribblophores, which turns objects into quills of the writing variety. Um, and this appears in the Harry Potter trading card game. The next one is Sobenzotia, um, which summons a snake, which again feels like a very advanced spell to be do to be done by a 12 year old um yeah that's fine um that's so like i <laughs> it was done in the chamber of secrets during the dueling club it's also in the hogwarts mystery and some films apparently it's in the crimes of grindelwald i don't remember that happening but apparently it is Oh, I guess, no, like, um, Grindelwald turns stuff into snakes, I think, in his escape from the flying carriage, I do believe. Oh, he does, yeah, he does. Which isn't conjuring a snake, it's, like, turning something else into a snake, so I don't believe it should be the same spell, but that's just me. Uh, so, yeah, I already talked about the Snuffly Force spell, and then the next one is steel claw which is used to make an animal's claws into large steel talons and this is from the harry potter trading card game which really sounds like a good time the trading card game i never had it the next one is tentaclophores can i i'm gonna show you this the picture oh my goodness just casual um (laughs) so this spell transfigures the head of a witcher wizard into just a large what looks like purple tentacle um and this happens in the lego harry potter video game years five through seven the next one is evanesco which we've talked about quite a bit the vanishing spell and this is in all in the first this is mentioned in the first book the second book, the fifth book, and Tales of Be the Bard. So then we have Vera Verto, which is used to turn an animal into a water goblet. Um, this is what Katie was talking about in the Chamber of Secrets film. And then it's also in the Order of Phoenix video game, and it's in Hogwarts Mystery 2. And then we have, so this is contradictory to Evanesco being the only vanishing spell, but it sounds like a variation on Evanesco, um, Vipera Evanesca, and I think Snape uses this in Chamber of Secrets at the Dueling Club, and it vanishes the snake, so I think maybe it's just Evanesco, but it has like a direct object attached to it. where it's like... um... You can add, like, modifiers onto spells to make it more specific. Yeah. Like, can't you do that with, um... Like, there's, like, mobile corpus and, like, libera corpus. Yeah. It's, like, all probably, like, the same root spell. You're just, like, being yeah. more specific. Um, it also says it was in Harry Potter and Order of the Phoenix and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Deathly Hallows, do they try to use it on Nagini? That seems like something that they would not do because I don't think it would work. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, I really, I don't know when it is used then. Oh, I could see maybe them using it, like, on Nagini in, um, like, 
Bethilda Bagshot's house, like in the f- like the fight with Nagini, maybe. No, that's what I was saying, but that's oh, okay. not it. It's they use it. So, in Order of the Phoenix, it's chapter thirty-six, and the title of the chapter is "The Only One He F- Ever Feared." So, I think um, Dumbledore uses this against a snake conjured by Voldemort. I think that's mm. the dual chapter, and then. In Deathly Hallows, it's in chapter 30, and the title of that is The Sacking of Severus Snape, which I believe is mm. the chapter that Snape dies. Or, no, 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 it's... No, um, that's when, like, McGonagall comes out. McGonagall, and, like, yeah, I think Snape, like, again. conjures a snake then, yeah, she and must. she uses it. She vanishes it. Um, the last spell on this list is the water-making spell. Again, you may know it better as Aguamenti, so that conjures drinkable water specifically from the tip of a wand and this is mentioned in multiple books including half-blood prince deathly hallows goblet of fire order of the phoenix i don't know why that wasn't in order um normally they are but so so yeah that's what we know um this next section is just gonna be us flushing out our frustrations with transfiguration okay so first i want to say that with the whole debate of vanishing living things in my head canon i don't know whether this makes it better to everybody but this makes it better to me if they are practicing like vanishing mice i think that mcgonagall probably conjured those mice so like they're Mm -hmm. not like they were gonna disappear anyway, so like they're not real mice technically. Um, I could see maybe an argument being made for like, then is it really the same as vanishing like a real mice? Like, would it be easier? But mm. in response, I throw that back to you. Why would you ever need to vanish a mice like a mouse in real life? Um, well, like, what if your apartment is infested? I feel like I would just set my apartment on fire. <laughs> if anybody knows a spell to vanish a lizard hit a girl up because a lizard came into my apartment a couple days ago and has yet to be seen since so <laughs> i just set my apartment up by uh, i know i feel like then like you're still killing the mouse that did nothing wrong so like if you're not okay with killing a mouse in a class why are you okay with killing a mouse that's in your house? I throw back to you. What? You know? No, I'm just saying that's a use. You said you said there's yeah. no use for it. Yeah, but like I'm if not saying somebody... I'm okay with it. I'm just saying there's a use. Yeah, but if somebody's not okay with like vanishing a mouse in a classroom, why would you be okay with vanishing a mouse in your house? I don't know. But that's I a different topic. That's I understand relevant. that. <laughs> but just another thing to think about. So one of my main gripes, which I feel like it's just like not fully explained, but I guess it's that they always are like transforming specifically one thing into another because that is like similar to that, you know, like the pincushion to the hedgehog or vice versa. Um, but it like... It always seems to me, it, like, feels presented as, like, nothing but a pincushion can be changed into a hedgehog. 
that's how I always interpreted it and it always really bothered me and I don't think that's the correct interpretation but I feel like that's how it's presented a lot of the time um I also think like so the reason this bothers me is because it like there's no explanation like can I turn anything into a hedgehog or is there like a range of things I can turn into a hedgehog like it just bothers me that they never really explain the science behind it they say it's science based but there's no like and they say it's like has laws and like theory and very like hard sciencey facts but it seems very wishy-washy to me like it seems like you can just change anything into anything else yes which like doesn't make sense to me yes what something also like just going through that list of incantations at the end that confuses me is like I don't know if it really makes sense for there to be a separate incantation for like every specific transfiguration yeah. you're doing. Like, why is there a specific trans like spell incantation for changing an animal into a goblet? Yeah. Like, would there be a different incantation for turning like a book into a goblet, or is it yeah, the same that's thing? What I'm trying to like, say. is the spell coming from turning some like the end result, or like? the transfiguration of one thing to another thing and like to me it feels like they're setting it up to be more specific about turning one thing into another thing as opposed to like the end result so is there a different specific like incantation for every combination of transfiguration that you could do because that seems very excessive to me yeah you explained better than i did my (laughs) issue and it's that it's just that it doesn't it doesn't make sense and I wonder if it's just that like you learn these incantations like as you're learning transfiguration and as you're like becoming a better wizard or witch and then like at a certain point you can just non-verbal anything yeah but that's yeah, I mean still, that's also like, not clear to me yeah it just like doesn't I don't know I, I just don't understand the limitations yeah then kind of switching more back to the living object debate because this is like a i don't know if it's like really a long-standing debate within the fandom but i feel like i've seen stuff about it multiple like places um so we've talked about conjuring and vanishing living objects but how do we feel about transfiguring living objects specifically like transfiguring a mouse or like a hedgehog into a teat, like a pincushion. Does that kill the hedgehog, or is the hedgehog like still inside that pincushion, like we were kind of talking about with like Slughorn? You know, because like he's the chair now, but if he dies, does he revert back to like his dead body, kind of thing? Mm. I think the hedgehog is still in there. Which, yeah, that switching spell feels like morally weird. Yeah. Or not switching spell, but that transformation. I think that the. The one that's less weird. So I guess my general belief on transfiguration is that the object or the organism or whatever always kind of retains part of its original being. So the hedgehog 
or the pincushion retains part of the hedgehog. The pincushion is still a hedgehog deep down, which is like kind of morbid. It's like yeah, you're just like hedgehog? sticking pins to this hedgehog. Yeah. Um, but then in the reverse, that makes it like more okay. I think when Cedric transfigures the rock into a Labrador retriever, yes, I because agree. that is not a real dog. It's not a real lab. And yeah. when it dies, or even like before it dies, if it like didn't get shot by dragon well, fire, Cedric like, also dies, so it would re- like revert back to a rock when he died, anyways. You know, because like that's the whole thing. Oh, but I'm saying like it would probably happen before that. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it would always revert back to a rock. Like it was never really a dog, so it's not like Cedric is killing this dog or like offering this dog up as sacrifice to the dragon. Yes. So I, that, like, makes that side more morally okay, but I think it makes the other side kind of not great. Yeah. I do think that, in my head, I choose to extend the, like, conjuring thing, how, you know, like, it's not permanent. Yeah. I think that I would extend that to transfiguration as well. So, like, eventually yes. the pincushion would revert back to a hedgehog, probably not even, like, that long like maybe a day or so like would would it be like what i would think i mean i think it depends on like how skilled of a witch or wizard you are yeah obviously depends on like how skilled you are and like how well like your mass you've mastered that spell but i think like eventually that yeah would turn back into a hedgehog and like also in my head canon i would believe that like it didn't get harmed like even though you're sticking like impaling pins through the hedgehog like it doesn't like no ill effect comes from that so like even if let's say like you transfigure an animal into something breakable if you break that thing like i think that when it's broken it would just like revert back to like its original it's kind of like, like if a living, living yeah healthy animal. yeah like kind of the reverse of like how we were saying if a living thing dies it reverts like if um a living thing that had been transferred into an object if that living thing dies it gets like tri- back to its original form you know yeah like reversely if you break an inanimate object it would revert back to a like thing living organism yeah i think that makes sense i think i just like want like I'm fine with that being the law. I just want it to be said that that's yeah. law, or I want like everyone in in the fandom ev- to like, accept that. Everyone. Yeah, they want that it to be in the book. Yeah, because like I just it just bothers me how unclear it is, which gets me back to like they're saying it's like science based and it's so all of that, and I feel like that's the opposite of science. I know that there's like a lot of things in science we don't know, but like I feel like the goal is clarity. Yeah. And not being wishy-washy, gray area, and ambiguous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about. And, like, everyone, like, M- McGonagall and all the students seem so fine with this. Like, yeah, like, it's not even spoken not about. Right. I don't know. Like I said, I think, like, even before I've thought more in depth about this, I had just always kind of assumed that it would eventually revert to its, like, original form. You know, like, because magic isn't permanent. You know, like, we, like, that is a fact that we know that magic is not permanent. And so I think that would extend to transfiguration, even though they like to say, like, you're changing it on a molecular, like, level. 
I think eventually it would still revert back to its original, like, object. I agree. And I think that's why repair phase works the way it does. Yeah. Even though that's not really canon spell, but... (laughs) (laughs) We're blurring the lines of canon here because there's so little information. Yeah. And I mean, like, granted, I do believe that all subjects at Hogwarts have this same kind of gray area where it's confusing, but I also don't believe it impairs the ability to read and enjoy this story. You know, like no, it only no, yeah. it only becomes a problem when you like actually sit down and think about it, which is why it kind of bothers me that it's like nitpicked a lot because it like me not which under yeah yeah which like is fine as a thought experiment but like me knowing that it doesn't make sense doesn't really affect my love and my relationship with the series like you know yeah i agree i I can just like say it doesn't make sense it's kind of stupid but it's not going to be like the whole series is invalidated you know like i can admit that yeah it's not going to be like next time i read a transfiguration class i'm not going to be like well, this is wrong. This doesn't make any sense. And it makes, like, the class unenjoyable to read about, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's an important distinction to make, like, specifically with plot holes as well. Like, just because something doesn't, like, technically make sense, it shouldn't take away from, like, your enjoyment of that thing. Unless the plot hole is, like, so gaping that it does. But I do think, in general, the plot holes in Harry Potter aren't that big they're pretty minor yeah Yeah. they're like pretty nitpicky when i see lists of like the biggest plot holes in my opinion um so i just wanted to like put that blanket statement out there that like even though we're kind of bashing transfiguration i don't want it to be like all negative like because i tend to be like a very positive or i try to be a very positive person yeah i totally agree with you Hi, my name is Larry, and I'm a Slytherin. My name is Justin, and I'm a Slytherin. And together we host the Here's Johnny podcast, where we take a look at horror movies, TV shows... Oh, and games. We also have had amazing guests on the show that are directors, producers... And don't forget writers, Twitch streamers, and other podcasters. Yeah, and you can also check out our show every Monday. Just search Here's Johnny Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast. We are sure you will find an episode you will love. Maybe just like Ollivander's wands, an episode will pick you. So for today's pop quiz, we have, if you could transfigure a household object into anything else, what would you do? Which is like pretty broad, so I don't know how I'm going to answer this yet. It's going to be a surprise. I came up with an answer. I have kind of an answer, but I'm not sure if it's technically transfiguration. I came up with an answer, and now I came. I I just like was trying to think of it, and I thought of another one, but I'm not sure if it's the same one. Anyway, I'll just read everybody's answers. So Leia said, "This is in the Facebook group." Leia said, "I would love to transfigure a book I've already read into one I haven't, so I could have an endless supply of new books." Very Ravenclaw of me, and I loved that answer. I have a fun life hack for all you Audible users out there. Oh, you do this. (laughs) You can, on Audible, if you pull up, like, your account on your computer and you go to, like, order history, you can return an audiobook back to Audible for no reason. Like, it'll ask you to give a reason, but you can pick other, and you will get that credit back. 
So you can basically do that on Audible. I will say I've been doing that for about a year and a half now and it will not let me do that anymore. So there is a limit, but the limit and my best guesstimate is like over 20. So you can do it for quite like (laughs) multiple times. So if any of y'all have Audible, life hack for you. So, Leia, that's, I think, the closest you're going to get to... Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty damn close, so... Yeah, pretty good. (laughs) All right, so then Anne said, I'd transfigure my laundry basket into something that would do the laundry for me, which, fair. (laughs) Um, Lita said, I would like to recreate Mary Mary Poppins' umbrella out of an ordinary one, so I wonder what kind of charm would do that. I guess it is half alive, so maybe a transfiguration one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be kind of blurring the lines between transfiguration and charm. Like charm, like instead of just like charming it to be able to fly, you know? Right. And then Linda said, all I can think of is a bathtub into a pool, but I already have a pool. I would like to be able to bewitch a sponge to do the cleaning dishes by itself, the vacuum to do the vacuuming, vacuuming without me. Yes, I know about Roombas, but not sure what kind of job they do. So yeah, that that sounds a bit more like charms too. But yeah. I do like the bathtub into a pool one. Yeah, that would be. You just need the space for the pool. Though. Well, would it be like one of those things that like, you know, the tent? It doesn't look big from the outside, but like mm. it's big in the inside. Mm. So like, could you just get into the bathtub and it's like a huge pool and, and does it like actually take around. up more space? Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um. So my answer, which I'm not sure if it's the answer I came up with last night, and I was like, oh, that's really good. But I think it might be. And I would just transfigure, like, an ordinary object. I don't really care what. Just something, like, lying around the house um, into a dog. So I could have, like, I know it's not the same as having, like, my pet dog basically like fostering a dog yeah it's like fostering and then like i can't have a dog in my apartment so like if my landlord shows up i just like untransfigure it and it's like no dog here i don't have a dog what are you talking about um and then i could play with the dog whenever i wanted to so i feel like that's a good answer getting back to more of the (laughs) topic we just talked about do we think that like if you transfigure just like a book into a dog will that dog need to eat and drink and do you think it will like produce waste or because it's really a book it doesn't need food and drink you know i think it might not need it yeah okay because i think it's not really a dog but it could be like a simulation of a dog for me to like hold me over before i can like go home to my parents house and play with my dog So the only thing I can think of right now, and I feel like it falls into that area of, like, not really being transfiguration, but, like, so right now, it's dinner time, and I'm very much looking forward to eating my dinner, which I'm going to make a frozen pizza for dinner, and it would be great if I could just, like, transfigure that frozen pizza into a cooked pizza, but then is that, like, a spell that cooks the food instead of, like, actually changing it into a cooked pizza, you know what I mean? I think that that is transfiguration because i think i read something about describing cooking as like a transformation okay see like that Um, then i wouldn't have to wait the like 12 minutes or 18 minutes or whatever it is in the oven i could just like have it instantly that feels like a bad use of like your one thing that you (laughs) but i'm really hungry right now you could wait 12 minutes though 
I mean, I just, like, I don't know what else. I feel like if this was too broad of a question, I need more structure. Oh, my God. Well, you come up with the next question. then I could question. just do, like, anything, you know? People like, send us in pop quiz questions so Katie doesn't get mad at my, the questions <laughs> I come up with. Uh, I just, like, I don't know, because the limitation, like, there are no, there quote-unquote are no limitations i know that like i literally spoke about all of the limitations of transfiguration earlier in this episode but like i could just if i ever wanted like another pair of shoes i could just transfigure that and like transfigure my a piece of paper into like another pair of shoes for the day like they're just yeah. the options are limitless okay so you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you go leave a review, leave a rating. And if you let us know about that, um, you can get another addition to another entry into our giveaway. Yeah, and then specifically about the giveaway, if you don't already, you can follow us on social media. Because as soon as we pick out what is actually going to be the thing that's given away, we will post it on your social media. So you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wizard Studies Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies. And if you do feel so inclined to join our Facebook group and get your voice heard at the pop quiz section of the podcast, you can join our Facebook group at Wizard Studies Podcast group. And then if you feel super duper inclined to support and be a part of this podcast, you may donate to us on Patreon. If you click the link in the description of this episode, or if you just go to patreon.com and then Google or then search within there, Wizard Studies Podcast. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rest.